Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Mile high hello everybody in Broncos country. Welcome into another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I'm your host Lance Sanderson and joining me as per usual is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Huddle Senior NFL Draft Analyst, the one and only Eric Trickle. Now guys, last week, obviously, as you know, uh, if you guys have been following the show as long as we've been doing it, uh, I was under the weather, still a little bit under the weather, so please do bear with me. I'm trying to you know, keep my voice good, and uh, every now and again, I might get a cough off. If I don't get it muted, please do bear with me. But Eric, it's, it's, I'm glad to be back in the saddle. It's good to be back here with you, buddy. How you been, man? Um, I'm doing good. I'm starting to wonder what it feels like to have the sunlight on your skin because I don't think I've left my office in the last like two weeks as I, you know, get everything finalized for the draft and all the articles and scouting reports in. But one day I'll know what the sun feels like again. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of uh, scouting reports, uh, Chad just got one of my scouting reports put up at milehighhuddle.com. It's on uh Cincinnati edge rusher, my J Sanders. So make sure you guys go and give that uh, a quick read. If you're interested in that Cincinnati Bearcat. Um, yeah. Eric's got what? 75, I think is what you have up to right now that are, that are, that are published. Yeah. I've got, I've got 20 of them that are in and I have another three of them that I need to just send. Um, and I'm probably going to just chill out with what we have for right now. Cause we got a backlog. I mean, there's probably, 45 of the dang things that haven't even hit the hit the web yet so we might just hold off on that for a little bit but still pr- pump it out a bunch of draft content for you guys all the scouting reports we possibly can uh everybody within the oh what top 40 uh, top 150 ish or so players we should have most of those guys um and, pertaining to the broncos for the most part and and a few extra sprinkled in like i know that there's caleb lb up there yeah. who's been who's been linked to denver for a while um, few others that you know just have some connections with Denver throughout the draft process that were thought were g- worth getting a scouting report up on. Yeah, I got one in on Max Mitchell early in the process, so that one should be up there as well. Um, Braxton Jones, a guy that it just depending on who you're who you're talking to, a uh, guy that might be a fringe first uh, top 100 player. I know Eric got that scouting report in there a while ago. So yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Milehighhuddle.com. Make sure you guys go over there and check all that out, guys. While you're out there surfing around on the web, make sure you guys are giving us a follow over on Twitter. You guys can find me. Uh, at Sanderson MHH and for Eric at Eric Trickle. Uh, Scott Kennedy behind the scenes right now running the ones and twos at Scout Kennedy as well. Um, also, guys, follow at Mile High Huddle because that's some other account where you're going to get breaking news and analysis regarding your Denver Broncos. Uh, any all, Again, all of those scouting uh, scouting reports, um, film breakdowns, draft prospect profiles, um, great content up there going up 24-7 at milehighhuddle.com. You will find it all at Mile High Huddle. Um, Facebook supporters, make sure you go to facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle um, and join in on that as well. Um, guys, if you're uh, – if you're out and about doing that as well, make sure you subscribe everywhere you guys find Mile High Huddle content. Like every video you guys see, and if you love it, share it. Get it in front of any, as many Broncos fans as possible because without your support, we couldn't do what we do best, which is cover your Denver Broncos and the NFL draft. So speaking of the Broncos and the NFL draft, Eric, I'm going to let you take this away for just a second and get into the crux of our, our first topic before we go into that mock draft. Give me just a sec, guys. So, I mean, Mike Close came out and mentioned the 20, uh, 23rd prospect that the Broncos have met with and Drake Jackson. So we're going to go over the 23 prospects that Denver has brought in, what range they can go. And when we transition over to the mock the mock draft for that, we're going to bring that in. But first, I want to say hello to everybody in the chat, prime, especially Wesley Onkonga coming in, saying, hey, y'all are uh, new to the podcast. Thank you, Wesley, for joining us. Hope you stick around. I mean, it's great to have you. Great to get new faces in here. Um, Dale and Dylan are in the chat talking about the um, 
best Broncos analysts out there and both of them saying MHH has the best ones and their unbiased opinion. Well, in my 100% biased opinion, MHH has the best ones. There's no um, question. So you can you can take that to the bank. Kathy Lund's in there. Um, Paul, great to see you in the chat as well. Um, Greg Smith, Jay Sauer, 21, is also in the chat saying, hey, new to see you here on a Friday night. Happy to yeah. see you. Happy to have you. Peter Mill, Peter Middleton, a bunch of other people. Dale mentioning, um, making a comment about how taking a vacation to Cancun or Hawaii. Says Hawaii can hang out with DW and Kiaka. I actually got to meet them both in yep. Denver. Both are awesome people. Yeah. Um, DW actually uh, was generous enough to get Lance and I donate tickets for Lance and I to go into the game with them and was my first experience being at a Broncos game, any football game. Um, so it was definitely awesome and uh, really appreciative of DW of that and appreciative of all of you guys for your continued support of the show and not just this one, but every show. And we're happy to have you all. Yeah, it's great to see everybody in the show again. Uh, hello to Jay and to Wesley. Great to see you guys as first timers in the in the chat. Jay, I, I, you may have been here before, but that's the first comment I've seen from you. So hello. And again, guys, welcome into the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. Let's get into the meat of the show here, guys. Um, so according to Mike Kliss over at Nine News, who's been the Broncos mouthpiece for I don't know, 25 years or so, something like that. Uh, breaking news comes out of him as fast as it comes out of Adam Schefter, uh, Ben Albright, uh, Ian Rappaport. Like he has pretty much the inside scoop and has been that guy for a very long time. He has a list at ninenews.com. It has all of the, the 22 official visits and then a little blurb on Chad Muma, the linebacker from Wyoming as well. Uh, we're going to start this off and just kind of go down it in order. First things first, the aforementioned Braxton Jones that we have a scouting report on at uh, milehighhuddle.com. Uh, offensive tackle out of Southern Utah, uh, Cliss says, an athletic tackle at six foot five, 310 pounds. Jones was all big sky last year for a small school program that went 1-10 last year. He ran his 40 in under five seconds at the combine. Now, Eric, I know this is a guy that you really like for the Broncos. Um, when we get into our mock draft, it would not surprise me to see you talking about taking Braxton Jones at the number 75 overall pick, um, potentially even at, have a conversation with him at number 64 as well. Maybe a little rich there, but tell us about Braxton Jones, what you like about him, man. I'm a big fan of him. I've, I don't want to say I've soured on him a little bit, but I think 96 is probably the earliest I'd go for Braxton Jones. Okay. I really like the potential that he has to not just be a right tackling NFL. I think he's got the potential to flip over and play the left side as well. I really like his feet or his uh, footwork. I think he's, it's still some work to do, but I think he's technically sound with his footwork that can, and can work in an outside zone scheme. Didn't test the best in some drills that are, that have some good correlation to success in the NFL. So I am a little bit concerned about that, but his tape is great. I mean, he was definitely, for Southern Utah, one of the best player out there on the field for them. And it showed, and he consistently stepped up to the competition of whoever he was facing. So I'm a huge fan of him. And one thing before we continue on with this with visits is we're not sure what visits really mean this year. And we won't know until after the draft. There's so many different things with visits. Um, one year, I mean, it could be, you just have extra questions on these players that you just want to get answered. It could be genuine interest and you just kind of want to get them in the building, see how they are in the building. One thing is you can have that interest and they just go earlier than you like. Like maybe you're, maybe you walk away with the fifth round grade and he goes in the third round, like all these variables with it. So can't read too much into visits, but you, you can a little bit look at the positions that they're constantly bringing in. And two of them, I mean, offensive tackle, they brought in multiple guys. They brought in multiple guys on the interior offensive line and multiple defensive backs as well. So I think that those, I mean, very obvious positions that they're looking at. Maybe not necessarily these players. We'll see. We'll come for the draft. But Braxton Jones is a good one. Another one is Tyler Smith, the offensive tackle out of Tulsa, who many are saying may not be there at 64. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty easy to see why. I mean, he's tremendous upside. Dude's absolutely a monster in the run game. Has a lot of work to do in the passing game. and cutting back on the penalties he if he's losing a rep he likes to just grab on hold um and that's going to be an issue for the nfl but I, having a dominant i mean he'd come in and he'd compete right away at right tackle um and if he ends up sitting for a year with the guys that they have tom compton billy turner on one year deals he can get yeah. that year of development before looking to start next year but if he does win the starting job i mean having that dominant right run game mauler at right tackle i mean you can typically live with some of the other issues, especially with Russell Wilson back there who, you know, he's not a statue in the pocket. So right. definitely right. Uh, some interesting names. 
that they're looking at or that yeah. they brought in for visits. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, jump away from this really fast. Say hello to Gary Leeds Palmer, one of my good friends on Facebook. Uh, hey, Lance, Eric, and Scott. Looking forward to your takes on the draft. Uh, love MHH. And I want to give a shout out to Rodney Garcia as well, who said that he got a couple of teeth taken out uh, uh, for a dental implant. Uh, Rodney, rest up. Stay easy. Make sure you keep your mouth clean and everything like that. Uh, thank you for joining us, man. We appreciate you for taking some time out of your day and you know, maybe getting away from the real world things because I've, I've dealt with some uh, some teeth issues before. I had eight teeth pulled at the same time when I was in college, uh, all four wisdom teeth, uh, two canine teeth. And then I had a bro uh, two broken teeth that I got pulled. So I know I know mouth. Pain. I've been there and done that. But uh, thanks for joining us, Rodney. Um, back to it, though. The one thing that is it's kind of hard for me, especially with the Broncos at number 64, if you're going to take a guy like a Tyler Smith, um, it's it's just it's difficult for me because I think that there's still a little bit of refinement that you have to work with him. Um, he's not going to be a day one impact guy. However, you're drafting to fill that need for the future going forward. And you've got Tom Compton, you've got um, Billy Turner there. Uh, there there's going to be a, a Calvin Anderson is going to be in the comp the competition there as well. But uh, I would I would rather see the Broncos maybe potentially take a player that could have more of an impact than a Tyler Smith at 64. Although I do love the tape and I, I definitely would understand, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, and be OK with them taking him there. I just would prefer to go in a different direction. Um, however, if that's the that's the pick, then, I, then I'm all right with it. Uh, another offensive tackle that the Broncos brought in was. Uh, Matt, Matt, well, let's go another small school kid out of North Dakota. Uh, uh, Mike Cliss says long, relatively lean at six foot eight, 312 pounds. Uh, he was an all American at a small school. So, uh, this is a kid that I haven't really got a chance to take a look at Eric. What about Matt? Well, Matt, well, let's go intrigues you. Well, I mean, for him, I mean, if you're looking at his way somewhere in the fourth round, 115, 116, maybe 145, if he slips a little bit. I think the best thing that going for him and pointing in his direction is the fact that they have Tom Compton, they have Billy Turner, they have these guys who can start this year. Well, they have to coach up the technique that Matt with Matt Maletsko. There's pretty giant leap that he's making, and the technique just isn't the isn't the best. But there's so much to work with. He's tall. He's got good length. He's got decent power. He moves well. It's just improving the technique, improving the handwork. It so much to work with and it, i mean when i look at the broncos roster with what they've done at the offense tackle position it really suggests to me that they're looking at a guy who they don't really need to start this year because they have billy turner and tom compton right looking at a guy that they want to sit kind of kind of protect keep on the bench a little bit and develop for next year because hey even calvin anderson all three of those tackles that denver has one year deals yep so it's definitely a look beyond this year matt well let's go fits that Another tackle is Abraham Lucas that they brought in, and he's kind of up there. I mean, he's good in pass protection, but his run blocking is a little problematic. At the combine, he showed pretty good lateral movement skills and agility. His tape, it doesn't really reflect those skills, so it's kind of a question there for me. But he's got enough to work with. He's got the size. He's got the length. He's got the, he's got the demeanor. Um, went up against Oregon and had a... Pretty decent showing. Didn't allow many sacks throughout his college career. I think only like four total in his college career, which is great. Um, he's one that I'm just not high as high on as most. A lot of people are talking about 64. He's a guy that 64 is just a little too rich for me, but I'd probably consider him at 75. And now there's word coming out that he may not even be there at 64. Um, yeah. But he's a guy, I mean, looking at that, that, mold i guess that offensive tackle that i was talking about of guys who could use a year to sit i think abraham lucas could use it because could use a year to improve the technique improve the aspects in the run game that need to be improved before actually being a starter in the nfl right i, I think he can actually jump in and be a starter from day one though and that's something that you have with abraham lucas uh, that you don't get with tyler smith or a braxton jones so if you want to go in that direction i have abraham lucas as my number 50th overall player i actually built a big board guys I built a full blown out big board, uh, 132 total rated prospects is what I, all I have finalized grades on. Um, I've watched over 
350, but I haven't finalized grades on those guys. But Abraham Lucas came in is a top 50 player for me. I really like his tape. Um, I like his hand placement. I like his his punch power, his counter, uh, his counter ability, his lateral agility. There's just a lot to like about him. And I think that he can come in and start on day one if he does win that competition. However, if you want to sit him behind Billy Turner and uh, Tom Compton, then that would be another direction to go in. But again, I just I, I still want to see that 64th pick used on a guy that's going to have more of an immediate day one impact, particularly at the edge rusher position, uh, maybe at a uh, tight end or cornerback specifically. Uh, the edge and cornerback would be the direction that I would go there just because you're going to get more of a day one impact out of those guys. So I, I want to come back to this conversation, but first get to Dale. Oh, um, yes. Eric, are you not interested in Abraham Lucas and what wide receiver defensive back running back do you see as a late round development player that could, would be a good return man? Um, no, I like Abraham Lucas. It's just a matter of where, as I said, I'm not as high in a, on him as others. Um, I think if you're starting him day one, then you're just trying to basically throw him to the wolves and develop him as he goes, which, Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, late round wide receiver, defensive backs or running backs. I really like trust Ebner out of, um, Baylor. I like him, what he can do as a returner. Stone Jr., the wide receiver out of Tennessee. Yep. Um, I don't think he'd be a late round, though. There's been a lot of like early day three talk with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I- Michael Wright is another one. And then there is a, another defensive back that was a really good returner that I can't remember his name. And then Kalon, uh, I think Kalon Greger or Greger out of Texas Tech or Texas A&M, who is outstanding returner. Might be a return specialist, but I think there's some potential to get him involved as kind of a gadgety player on offense a little bit. Um, not Deontay Spencer small, but smaller. So this guy right here, Marcus Jones out of Houston. Mm. With the Marcus with Jones. shoulder surgeries on both shoulders I, and I, his arm length. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, he's a dog. I absolutely love him on the field. But ha- the the length concerns me, but the shoulder injuries and surgeries on both of them concerns me more. Ronnie Garcia coming in with some stars, which we Thanks, appreciate. Ryan. And then Colby. Colby C also coming with stars. We appreciate that. We appreciate all of your guys' support. Now, Triple C, Colby Collier. What's up, man? Thanks. We appreciate that, guys. Um, Marcus Jones, yes, I agree with you. The, sh- the shoulder injuries are a big deal. A lot of size constraints there. But as far as quick t- quick twitch guys that has great ball skills, um, the ability to take the ball to the house, Marcus Jones would be that guy. I brought up a, a, a guy with you yesterday, um, and I, it was I saw it on Twitter, um, and I, I, I kind of just decided I was going to take a look into him. Jack Jones, the cornerback out of Arizona State. Now, there's a there's a lot of problems with this kid. He's 25 years old, so that's that's the biggest thing. He's also a head case. He had a, a, a breaking and entering charge that he was charged with at USC back in 2000, I believe it's 19 or 18, something like that. Um, then was dismissed from the football team, transferred to uh, junior college, then went to uh, then transferred to Arizona State, where he played 2019 and 2021. Um, I like his tape a lot. There was, there's just, he's a, he's a risk taker. He's a big gambler. Uh, I like his tackling ability. His click and close is nice. He's a twitchy kind of a kid. I haven't seen anything as far as a measurement for his length or anything like that. But if you're going to be willing to take a flyer on a guy that has some character concerns and the tail end of the, uh, the tail end of the draft, you know, sixth or seventh round, I think that that might be a guy you could take a look at because he has ball skills and the ability to take it to the house. He had, I think, three pick sixes and then another one that was not, it wasn't credited to him, but he made the interception and then flipped it to uh, to one of the other Arizona State defensive backs. And that guy took it like 45 yards to the house because he knew he was going to get tackled. Jack Jones knew he was going down and made a heady pay, play and flipped it to one of his teammates to score another touchdown. Like this kid is really fun to watch there's just a lot of red flags yeah jack jones is interesting i mean he had over 30 inch arms which hey that's fine my concern with him is he he, he's like 170 pounds dripping wet Mm -hmm. he's very light and it shows in his tape and he's easy to bully he's easy to push around easy to get locked on easy to box out from the catch point and then you add in his freelancing ability or his love for freelancing and coverage. Mm-hmm. I'm concerned there. At some point, I mean, you have to balance out the risk versus reward. But moving back to tackles, we're talking about this. And I have a quick question for you. Yeah. Um, based on something you said about Tyler Smith and Abraham Lucas, mm-hmm. which one of them do you think has more ability to start on day one? 
If you slide Tyler Smith to guard, I could see him starting on day one. But at tackle, I want to see him grow just a little bit more. Um, Abraham Lucas, I think you can start at tackle day one. Ooh, I ooh, disagree. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, Taylor why, why Smith is I mean, his, the, his traits and what he brings in the run game is so easy to translate to the NFL. That's fair. And that, I mean, you're getting this absolute mauler in the run game and you can grow with him as a pa- in pass protection. Yep. Um, Abraham Lucas, I mean, he's good in pass protection, but he's not the same level in pass protection as it is is Tyler Smith and his ability as a run blocker is worse than Tyler Smith in pass protection. So for me, Tyler Smith is this more, I guess, balanced player, even though they're both pretty high and low in certain areas. Right. uh, Then Abraham Lucas less to lose, I guess, or, um, yeah, less to lose. That's the right way to put it. With right, Tyler yeah. Smith working in pass protection. The, uh, the the problem that I have with Tyler Smith is the fact that he gets so grabby with his outside hand. He's so grabby when he gets beat around the corner and his footwork fails. Hey, and there he, is, he, if you, so you already have one guy, you. if you already have one guy that's going to hold a lot in Garrett Bowles, you might as well not take another guy that's going to hold a lot too. So that <laughs> well, all that means is that Denver <laughs> just goes every other play with the hold. There's nothing wrong with that. Damn it, you got me laughing. We could, we could, have, we could have Garrett Holds and I can't come up with one that's clever. <laughs> um, anyways, moving on to the next player. Let, I mean, let me grab this really fast. I got Tom jumping in here with a two dollar super chat saying a good afternoon, gentlemen. And and Tom, thank you for joining back into the conversation. You had a big week last week, man. We appreciate all your support. Thanks for joining us again, buddy. Moving on to the next. Next player, tra- or quickly, Travis Weber says, "Good evening, Lance, Eric, and Broncos country. Who all realistically do you see Denver drafting? We're going to um, probably players from schools. <laughs> so, and oh, I, I'm not saying that to, to be mean. It's just that Denver picking at 64 overall, and then they floated the thing of possibly trading up into the second round. And with how this year is, with such wide range of opinions on all these different players, I have no clue." Like there's guys that I think make a lot of sense for them, but I mean, last year I thought there was guys that made sense for them and I was wrong quite often last year. Um, so it's, it's hard to say. And this year, I mean, there's no, they don't pick ninth overall. They don't pick till 64, 75, 96, so on and so forth. And with the unpredictability of the NFL draft, even though guys are expected to go in a certain range by most draft analysts, all it takes is one team to love them. Um, Drake Jansen, Drake Jackson, who Denver just brought in for a visit today, yep. is one that a lot of people view as a early third round pick, but there's a lot of love for him as a top 50 pick. And I can mm-hmm. see why. I mean, he's so young. He's athletic. He's so long. I mean, he just turned 21 like 10 days ago. And there's so much to work with with Drake Jackson that I can see why he goes earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a, it's just, all, again, all it takes is one team. Uh, one team could love him. I mean, Bruce Irvin a few years ago, Seattle absolutely loved him. They took him in the first round, where leading up to it, he was getting talked about early second round. Yeah. Uh, and it, it happens every year. I mean, guys fall for reasons that later we find out why injuries or attitude, character. Um, Josh Pascal from Kentucky. I would. Yeah. I mean, I would like him. I. I he's he's one of my top desires for Denver at sixty four overall. Yeah, and Rodney just asked uh, Josh Pascal from K- Kentucky. Yes, uh, uh, what two sixty five? I believe is what he was six five two sixty five something like that. Uh, really long arms can slide him down inside. He can play with the five technique if you want him in a NASCAR package. Can stand up and rush to the edge off the uh, as a, out of a two point stance. Drops into coverage all right at least a little bit. Um, there's probably some work that you need to do with there, but at least you know what you're gonna get. You're gonna get a high character guy, a high motor guy, a guy that can come in, step in day one, be a part of a rotation, and then potentially turn into a Batman at the next level um like this kid there's a lot to like about josh pascal including his commercial by the way he shot a commercial for a dentist it's absolutely hilarious he's running around tackling kids that are trying to eat candy and stuff it's so funny i love it it's so good um getting back to it though we've got the list from mike cliss here uh after we've already mentioned the four offensive tackles up at the top of the list and uh matt let's go braxton jones tyler smith abe lucas the next position group he goes into actually is a very big need to me especially moving into the future here the interior of the offensive line 
Uh, Broncos have brought in Dylan Parham from uh, from Memphis, Cam Jurgens from Nebraska, and Cole Strange so far, at least according to this list, if it's in order. Um, Cole Strange from Tennessee Chattanooga, small school kid that does not play like a small school kid. Uh, that's a guy that I really like. Uh, guard potentially could play some center for you as well. Um, pretty fluid athlete, 6'5", 307, ran a 40 in 5.03 seconds. Um, the movement skills, the power that he plays with. I really like Cole Strange a lot. Now, Eric, I want you to talk about Cam Jurgens, this kid out of Nebraska who seemingly is getting a lot of love here lately, potentially as a top 50 player and, in your opinion, maybe a first-round player? First round, no. No? Okay. Uh, um, real quick, Phil, thank you for the stars. We appreciate the support. Yeah, um, sure. And then Tom and Tom and Mark will get to you guys' super chat questions here in just a minute. Um, so Cole Strange is like the Quinn Miners of this. I mean, their play style is not the same. Yeah. But they're the small school guy that went out, killed, had a good senior bowl, and just has been rising up there. Um, Cole Strange, I think, would be a great pick for Denver to be center or to be the center. Something that they, judging by how much you value the visits, they seem to be looking at upgrading. There's some um, word going around that it's not all fine and dandy with the performance of Lloyd Cushenberry, so that's why they wanted to look at an upgrade. Yep. Uh, so I'd be fine with I'd be fine with any of the three. The one who scares me the most is probably Dylan Parham. Yep. Um, I know that a lot of people seem to have him as their number three center. For me, I think he's my number four. Um, yeah, he's my number four center behind Cam Jurgens and and Cole Strange. I like him. There's just a lot more that I think you have to work with to transition him to center than some of the other guys. Cam Jurgens, natural center, center only prospect. Um, good movement skills, solid, decent power, tested really good athletically, better in most, better in every aspect than Tyler Lindebaum. Granted, Tyler Lindebaum's been recovering from a foot injury, so his athletic testing wasn't, you know, exactly fair because you know re rehabbing and everything. Um, but I mean, Cam Jurgens is a, is a good athlete. All of them, I think, could work. Yeah. Um and Tom with a dollar ninety nine says I think Parham or Strange can play center. I think that's where both either I think that's where both of them will be looked at first. Right. Um. I think Parham offers up more to potentially be or um Strange offers up more to be a guard than Parham because yeah. Parham is also only like two hundred eighty five pounds. Yeah, he's a small uh, guy, which is, which is light even for a center. Yeah. Um. Now getting back to Tom's other question with the four dollar ninety nine donation. Don't think either Smith or Lucas will be there at 64. Value for edge rusher will not be good at 64. Tyreek Woolen at 64, then Malone at 75, Braxton at 115. What about 96? Um, but Tariq Woolen for me at 64 is bad value. It, it, at 64, in my opinion, I think the best option, obviously depending on how the board falls, will be to trade back. Um, D'Angelo Malone at 75 is a little bit rich for me because, I mean, he's not good against the run. He tries, which is great to see. Tries more than a certain Oklahoma edge defender that we'll talk about here in a little bit. But, I mean, he just clearly outmatched with strength and power, and mm -hmm. Malone doesn't do it. And plus, playing at Western Kentucky, he had some issues with his weight. Not on the aspect of, like, he had issues maintaining his weight because he kept getting too heavy. He was getting light. There was games that he was playing at closer to 200 pounds than 240. And as that's something that's very concerning. Braxton Jones at 115, you're a man after my heart. Yeah. Uh D'Angelo Malone is one of my guys. I, I love this kid. He's super twitchy. He's got great length. He bends really well. Um, as far as a guy that I, I really do value his his ability as a pass rusher, and I think that if you can build out that frame, because he's got a great frame, he's got great size, uh, if you build out that frame, get him a little bit more consistency with his play weight and his power, I think he could be a Chandler Jones type. Like, seriously, he could be an elite edge rusher in this in this league. But there's just so much you got to work with. Like you really got to deal with that power. You really got to build up the, the play strength. Um, but the, the athleticism, uh, the ability to get after the passer, the the hand placement, um, the the bend, everything there projects as a, a high level pass rusher in this league. If you can just get him to bulk up. Mark jumping in here, five dollar super chat. I think David Ojabo is the best future pick for our second round. Sit him for the first year and draft a right tackle and a cornerback in round three. Eric, this goes back to the conversation you and I were just having a, a few minutes ago regarding uh, Tyler Smith and uh, Abraham Lucas at, at number 64 and players that are not going to contribute at that high of a pick in their first year. David Ojabo with the, with the torn Achilles, um, 
He's probably not going to be available for this first year. I also had some questions about him needing to develop some more, even though I had a top 10, uh, top 10 grade on him uh, before the Achilles injury. I think that there's still a lot more development that you need to work with. You're betting on the high upside with him. But Eric, I want you to continue on that. Why is David Ojabo not necessarily the best idea for the Broncos? And why would you like that pick if they were to go in that direction? So this is a little bit opposite with my view on drafting a tackle at 64 that needs development. Um, ideally, you're not playing your third tackle or your fourth tackle. Ideally, you're not playing them. You're getting them set full year, which is fine. At Edge, you want somebody who can come in and make an impact this year. His torn Achilles, I know Cam Akers, a lot of people are sitting there and saying, oh, yeah, he can come back on that time frame and be ready in like October or November. I'll believe it when I see it. I mean, Cam Akers was an exception to the general rule where it takes 10 to 11 months to recover from a torn Achilles. Uh, so not sure he needs time. And I, I edge rusher again, you need somebody who can contribute this year. Bradley Chubb has an injury history. Randy Gregory has an injury history. You're an injury to away from them to, or to one of them to Malik Reed or Jonathan Cooper starting. And neither one of them should be starters. I think they're fine as number four edge rushers. Maybe Jonathan Cooper can develop into a solid number three. But if I'm drafting an edge at 64, it's a guy who can compete and can, and help me this year. Offensive tackle, I'm willing to bet because hey, the value of it is different from an edge because of the fact that you have three right tackles that are all on cheap one-year deals, and then next year you have to pay for pay for it. And then with Bradley Chubb drafting an edge, I mean, where it would make sense with David Ojabo is kind of on that same aspect of it is just kind of punting on it for this year. And then, hey, Bradley Chubb, see you later. We have David Ojabo now. Doesn't help the depth for this year. Doesn't help the concerns with Malik Reed or Jonathan Cooper ending up as starters. Um, so I'd still be concerned there. But all in all, I don't think David Ojabo will be there. I think that he'll still be a top 40 pick. I think that teams in that, like, about 28 to 32 range are willing to take that, take that like, hey, we're not really going to compete this year but we're going to make a play for next year. We're going to take him, let him sit, let him grow, let him develop, let him get healthy. And then yeah, turn to him next year. Yeah. And Mark, don't think we're coming after you on this one. Um, it's, it's just our opinions on this. I, I respect your opinion. I do like David Ojabo a lot. I just don't like him. Necessarily. I love David Ojabo. And yeah, like he was one of my favorite guys for Denver to draft at number nine before they traded mm -hmm. for Russell Wilson. Yep. Granted that was before the injury, but also on that is with Russell Wilson, your windows, a little bit open now. Yep. Um, so drafting an edge who still needs development on top of recovering, it's it's a little wonky. Yeah. Peter Middleton jumping in here with a great question here. He says, I just love your guys' analysis and debate on these potential draft players. When uh would you when would you trade back to pick up additional 2023 draft picks or would you trade away a player instead? Um this is kind of difficult. The one player that I could see that the Broncos would really maybe look to move on from, and it would be on day three, knowing that they got a center on day two would be Lloyd Cushenberry. Uh, the the fit there is not necessarily the best for him. Um, he struggled in the first couple of years of his career. He's a bottom three center, bottom five center last year. Um, uh, it was just a struggle to take that next step. So if you're looking to trade a player away, that would be the guy, unless you're doing something drastic and getting rid of a, a KJ Hamler or a Jerry Judy, because you have that wealth of, of uh, power at the, at the receiver position. Um, maybe you, you do go out and get a Vilas Jones Jr., a guy that you know can play the returner position, and you want to move on from KJ Hamler, who's coming off that torn ACL. I, I could see something like that. I don't know what the value would be for that. And even for Lloyd Cushenberry, you're probably getting a, a conditional six-round pick in 2023 anyways. Like, you're not going to get anything of major value. As far as moving any of the bigger players on this roster, the one that I would be kind of willing to move away from would potentially be Jerry Judy, uh, just because I you know that there's a lot of value there. So, Eric, I, I don't know. How, how would you do this? Are you, are you trading away draft picks, uh, moving out of 64, or, uh, potentially even 75, to see if you can pick up? That would probably be the best move, move out of 75 to see if you can't pick up a future uh, a future like fourth-round pick or something like that. It all, it all depends on how the board falls. Right, yeah. With how it's looking like it'll fall at 64, I'll move back. Like I'd move back at 75 as well. Yeah. For me, when I look at this class, with when I look at my board, I think that the, there's a lot of value there later in the third and early fourth to really round out the depth. Um, 
And I think that the quality of player you're going to get at 64 and 75 isn't super, isn't a lot higher than what I can get later with the additional draft capital. But at the same time, that could end up impacting the trade, that, the ammo, or what you, the picks you get in return for the trade. As for trading players, I wouldn't expect anybody like players traded during the draft. It's just not common. Um, and part of the reason for that is, and Rick Spielman actually had it has a TikTok up about this that I was watching earlier. He says, and it's pretty common. I mean, you have to have the player has to, before it can be official, the player has to complete the physical. And when you're getting to the draft, it can just be clunky with getting the player to the new place, getting the physical, then getting it in when the draft is going on, picks are happening with the Josh Rosen trade. They had the trade kind of down. They were able to get Josh Rosen um, into to Miami for a physical a little bit early. And then they were able to make the trade official in time. Right. So you have to be ready for that. You have to kind of have the discussions down before, see how things right. fall, have the um, ha- have everything like pinpointed down of what app- what happens. And honestly, like there's no harm keeping Lloyd Cushenberry until training camp. I think at that point you have a chance to like boost his value a little bit um, and try to move him and maybe get a little bit more. So I, I'm, I don't I wouldn't expect a player to be traded, but I would expect them to make moves in training camp moving players for additional capital in 2023. Right. Uh, Rodney Garcia jumping in here really fast. Thank you for the stars on that. What was the rumor about Deshaun Jackson playing with Russell Wilson? What's your guys' take on that? I didn't really dive into this because I think it's a non-starter to begin with, but um, Deshaun Jackson, while he's a great deep threat, I, I think he's losing um, losing just enough of a step that you don't want to go in that direction unless you, uh, like, you don't think that KJ Hamler is going to be back. Um, the, the big thing was that he's contemplating retirement is, is the biggest thing, but he it will stick around to have the opportunity to play with an elite quarterback, particularly Russell Wilson was the way that I had seen it framed. So pardon me if I have that wrong. Um, Eric Deshaun Jackson in Denver. Um, I'd pass. I'd pass um, personally, I think that, um, I can't remember what all the teams, he listed multiple teams that he'd consider not retiring and going and playing for. Um, he's definitely lost a step. He's not the player he once was. Right. He's what? Ter- I think he's going to be like thirty-seven or thirty-eight this year. Is he I really think. that old? I know he's oh, older. I'm thirty-six. Right he's going to be thirty-six. Um, this year. Yeah, on December first, he turns and, thirty-six years old. Yeah, and he's been great for so long. Um, with the receiver room and everything, I mean, they could use a veteran voice, but there's been some issues with him so i wouldn't really uh look his way yeah uh tom jumping in here with no early picks i want us to draft a player that can contribute right away yes sir yes sir that's that's where i'm at here uh i don't want any offensive tackle i don't think that any offensive tackle at 64 will play this year that's why i like the offensive lineman later and there's a couple of guys that we we've already talked about matt well let's go um we've got braxton jones um there's uh, Max Mitchell as well as a guy that I think fits in uh, very well. Um, interior offensive lineman, guys like Cole Strange, Dylan Parham, I, I can get behind either one of those guys at 96 for sure. Um, what are another couple of later round tackles? Will I go back to the uh, Mike Cliss piece and move us forward in that part of the conversation, Eric? Um, one guy I'd be interested in later is Obena Ease out of TCU. <laughs> Just because the dude has vines for arms. Yeah. I, I mean, he's a, he's a mess technically. But I mean, you're looking at a developmental guy. Um, Ryan Vandermark, he's another guy that you got to really work up the technique, but he's a pretty good athlete. Um, has good length. Um, Dari Rosenthal out of Kentucky, I think. He's an interesting one for me as a developmental tackle option. Um, let's see, there's another there's another name I like quite a, a decent amount. Um, Vidarian Lowe out of Illinois. I like him as well. I think he's, Mm -hmm. I don't think he's like, you know, ideal fit for this game, but I think he's got enough lateral agility um, and movement skills to, to work as a developmental tackle option. Yeah. All right. So there's another super chat. I want to grab this really fast before we jump back in here, Mark jumping back in here with another $5. Thank you, Mark. We appreciate your support, man. And thank you for joining us on DVDD tonight. Uh, Would you guys move some content to TikTok? I think it's a quick and easy way to get content out to us as well as show highlights. That might be something we relay on. Scott, can you make a note of that and see if we can't move something like that on uh, onto Chad? Um, getting it's a, something a, I've definitely thought of. 
Sorry. Yeah, it's definitely like something I thought about doing on, as personally. It's just I never have. Um. So, I don't know. It's some, as we said, it's something we can talk to chat about and look into doing. Yeah, that's a, that's a great idea. And thanks, Mark. I, I never actually thought about that. Um, I love my TikTok account, but I, I use it for the memes more than more than anything, which is what I think pretty much everybody does. All right. Back to it here. Mike Kliss's list of 22, 23 prospects, I think, is what it actually is um, with with Chad Muma. And there is a local a local player. He doesn't actually count as one of the uh, one of the draft visits, even though he did visit with Denver. Um, Starting off here, wide receiver position, Tyquan Thornton out of Baylor. Uh, very fast guy. Very, very fast guy. 4.28 second, 40 at the, uh, at the NFL Combine. Um, it's just off of the record of 4.22. Uh, he's a projected uh, mid to late round pick, according to Cliss. He had a nice senior year with 62 catches, 948 yards, and 10 total touchdowns. This kid is a burner, and I think you might be able to figure out a way to have him as a punt returner. There's a very intriguing option for you. Thoughts on Tyquan Thornton, Eric? I mean, for me, he's just a straight line speed guy. So if that's what you're looking for, there's not much um, quickness to his game. Um, quick accelerator, long strider. Um, so yeah, if you're if you're looking for a straight line speed guy, maybe develop him, develop him from there. That's fine. And if you're missing KJ Hamler and you're looking for speed to attack deep, Tyquan Thornton's a good one. I mean, it all mm-hmm. depends on his injury. With the injury with KJ Hamler, everything that's coming out is saying that he should be ready to go by the season. Yeah. So we'll see how accurate that is. Could be a setback. And if you guys can hear that, I apologize. Somebody decided to start cutting down trees or something right outside my office. I can't hear you. It's not any worse than my kids pounding on my door just a minute ago. Uh, <laughs> next guy up here, one of the most interesting players in this draft cycle, uh, probably an undrafted player, but it's always good to go out and find an athlete like this. Uh, Jared Bernhardt, wide receiver from Ferris State. Um, he was actually a quarterback at Ferris State after he was one of the best lacrosse players in the nation at Maryland for four years. He won uh, the Heisman equivalent as a senior. So he was the best player in the country at lacrosse at Maryland, his senior year, um, transferred to Ferris state, took that team to a national championship after he won the starting quarterback, uh, competition through, uh, completed 87 of 123 passes for 1,322 yards and 11 touchdowns against five interceptions, according to Mike Kliss. Um, and more impressively, he rushed for 1,421 yards and 26 touchdowns on 8.9 yards per carry. This kid is an athlete. Um, I believe we we saw that he ran like a 4.7 40-yard uh, dash at the Maryland Pro Day. Um, just a guy we haven't actually got an opportunity. At least I haven't found an opportunity to, to take a look at him. Um, interesting player, though. Uh, one, Eric, have you got a chance to look at Jared Bernhardt yet? No. No? Okay. Next guy, Chad Muma, my guy, the local boy, Wyoming kid. Uh, from I believe he's from actually, uh, oh, he's from Parker in Denver. Um, he was a defensive back his junior year at Legend High School in Parker. Switched to linebacker as a senior, and this kid can fly. Uh, 4.63, 40-yard dash at the combine. Uh, great tackler, very heady player. Puts himself in a, <coughs> in a great position. 142 tackles as a senior with three interceptions, uh, two of which of those were returned for touchdowns. 6'3", 239, 241, somewhere around in there. Uh, he could be a third down linebacker for you right away. This kid is also a top 50 player for me. Eric, Chad Muma, you're the one that pointed him out to me at first, and I got really into him, and I, I like him a lot. What's your thoughts on the, the Wyoming kid? I mean, I like him, and if um, Denver – I mean, if he's able to fall for Denver or Denver moves up for it, I – wouldn't exactly be happy for it as much as I like him. I don't think it's good value with how this team is built to trade up for a linebacker. If I'm trading up for somebody, it's for an offensive tackle, an edge, or a corner. Um, I think that they're decent at the linebacker position to wait on it, and I think this is a good enough class to wait on it and um, grab somebody later. But I really I, I really like Chad Muma. And how much does Muma compare to Sternod? I mean, whole other level. Like, Muma as a prospect shows that he belongs in the NFL. We've seen from Sernod that he probably doesn't belong in the NFL. Yeah. What just a little bit of a uh kind of like in your face kind of thing is last year I remember a uh, certain someone, Lance, 
was mm-hmm. all about Justin Sernod. I was. And what I he was. could do for it. And Nick and I kept telling him, he's like, you can't really bet on him. He was a late-round prospect. Maybe he develops, but until you see it, we can't. Well, we saw him out there on the field, and yeah, it was bad. So my my big thing on Justin Sernod was don't count him out. Was That was the big thing. He's a very athletic guy. Can we count him out now? Yeah, we can count him out now. Okay. That was that was just going into last year. Everyone's like, well, we needed an athletic linebacker that can cover. I'm like, Justin Sternot is still on the roster, guys. And yeah, he couldn't cover. Uh, I was I was wrong there. But the traits and what you saw with him at Lake Forest back a couple of years ago, he had the injury. He was playing really well his rookie year in camp. The, then he, he tore, I believe it was a torn pectoral muscle, um, sidelined him for the rest of the year. Um, he came back and it just wasn't the same for him. And that's unfortunate. However, Chad Muma is a guy that's going to be a guy right away. And if he does fall to 64 with as much of a role and as much of a need as the Broncos have at a coverage linebacker position, that's a guy that I would be very interested in the Broncos drafting, not only because of my Wyoming ties. I mean, that's where I'm from. It, it, go folks. But uh, the, the ability on the field, the, he can step in right away, stand next to Baron Browning, and overtake the the seat of Josie Jewell. It may not be right away. It may it may take you know a couple of weeks down the down the uh, down the season. But Chad Muma can be a, a starting linebacker pretty well immediately at the NFL level, in my opinion. Um, next on the list. We have a safety linebacker hybrid, Tariq Carpenter from Georgia Tech. A tweener at 6'3", 230 pounds. He's somewhere between a strong safety and an inside linebacker. He's a dimebacker is what he is, according to Mike Kliss. Um, Eric, I have not got a chance to take a look at Tariq Carpenter. Why don't you educate our fans here? I mean, he's a late-round sixth or seventh guy, undrafted priority undrafted free agent, in my opinion. Um, watching for the tech, watching those defensive backs, his teammate, Wanye Thomas, was the one who consistently stood out. I'd consider him a little bit earlier, 145-206. Um, Terry Carpenter, I mean, he's a dimebacker. He's big. He's physical. Um, he cover, can cover tight ends pretty well. Um, but it's just like you'd, I'd rather see him like either convert fully to being a linebacker or drop a little bit weight and being a safety, not this tweener. Um, the NFL seems to be kind of going away from, you know, the traditional dime backers. They've kind of evolved a little bit with what they're asking them to be. Um, so I think that he's just still a tweeter in a different way. Yeah. Uh, next guy, Nick Grant, safety out of Virginia. Another guy that's tested really well, I believe, at the combine. High RAS guy, uh, relative athletic score. Check out uh, at R. It's it's R. It's RAS dot football. Um, go check that out. It's a really fun tool. Um, shows guys uh, as far as their, their size measurables and stuff like that and their athletic testing to give you a relatively athletic score um, they, according to what they look like next to their peers and stuff like that. I believe he was in the middle nines. And that's a, that's, a, that's something that uh, that George Payton very values. Uh, Mike Kliss says, a Justin Simmons type at 6'3", 190 with range and projected to go in the mid-rounds, a cornerback and receiver in high school who played five years at Virginia, so an older player. Um, he was a big-time leader from what I understand there as well. Nick Cross, Eric, what do you think? Um, Nick Grant. Nick, Nick Grant, sorry. I, I, Nick Cross is a who's, safety out of Maryland, by the way. Whose RAS was 4.96. So do I got it backwards? Was it Cross that tested well? Cross tested well. Okay, I, um, my bad, guys. It it is worth noting. Speaking of RAS, that a good port. I mean, what is it like? Sixteen of the twenty three players that Denver has that in for a visit have a eight point or higher RAS score. Mm-hmm. Um, well, RAS RAS score is kind of redundant, like saying ATM machine. Um, but anyways, they they value it. We saw it last year. They value it. There's been some stuff going. I mean, NFL teams they have. If all, if not all, good majority of them, anyways, have their own version of an RAS where it takes their size, athletic athleticism, how they score into it. Seattle does. I mean, that's how they really found Richard Sherman and um, uh, Cam Chancellor and all mm-hmm. them um, was through a variation of that. Um, so Nick Grant, he's interesting. He's built like Justin Simmons, but doesn't play anything close to him. No. I'm not a big Nick Grant fan. I mean, if you're looking at him to compete for additional depth with Jamar Johnson and PJ Locke as an undrafted free agent, I'm fine. But if I'm, I mean, even a seventh round pick, if you just kind of want to secure, you get him secured and get him, then that's fine. But I'm not super high on him. 
I'm it's it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Baker showing some love here. Just some love for the DVDD crew. Uh, hashtag MHH for life. Andrew, it's a pleasure to see you in the show again. Pleasure to meet you back uh, back last September at the Mile High Hell meet and greet as well. Great supporter of all the shows. Andrew, this guy right here really is a, I, I would say super chat superstar, but really he's more of a star superstar because he's on, on Facebook and not typically on YouTube. But uh, Andrew, thanks for the support, man. Tom jumping in here again. Man, Thomas has a couple of really big shows in a row. Is this like three weeks in a row? I know the last show that I was on, he dominated Super Chat. He's dominating Super Chat again. This guy showing massive amounts of support, massive amounts of love. And, Tom, we appreciate you, big dog. Uh, he says, I think the Broncos want to move Browning to to edge for Chubb uh, and or Randy Gregory if they miss time. But I think they are very high on Jonas Griffith, and so am I. And, yes, Tom, so am I. Jonas Griffith played incredibly well down the stretch. Uh, 6'4", 250-ish kind of a guy um, that runs incredibly well, can play sideline to sideline, good tackling ability. I think you can teach him to cover just a little bit better, but, man, he's got all the traits. I really like Jonas Griffith. Now, Eric, I want your thoughts on moving Baron Browning to edge specifically because I I, I see it. I, I see where they can use him as that, like that Micah Parsons role. But at the same time, I really want to see him play and develop as that off-ball linebacker in coverage because I was really impressed with him as well, especially down the stretch of the season. So with Baron Browning, I mean, I think moving him to edge is not exactly what's going on. They're looking at him at a hybrid role. He'll play off-ball, and in certain situations, he'll move to an edge. Um, kind of be like that number three pass rusher off the edge, kind of what he – a little bit close to what he did at Ohio State. So playing him in a role that he's a little bit more used to. Um, still use him in coverage, still use him against the run, still use him in a variety of ways. Basically just kind of being a defensive weapon in their front seven a little bit. Um, with Jonas Griffith a little bit, um, with him is, I can't remember who it was, but when the news first broke about Baron Browning in this move, everybody was talking about the linebacker from Philadelphia that Denver signed, whose name totally escapes me. Uh, Alex Singleton. Sure. <laughs> but uh <laughs> you you could have said you could have said something that was completely not true and i would i would have said okay because i seriously could not can't remember his name um shows exactly what i think of him um anyways put it on twitter anyways the, the report of it is is that it's more so to get jonas griffith out there on the field consistently next to josie jewel and baron browning than it is for Singleton or whatever his name is. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't disagree with you on that one. Alex Singleton was more of a special teams player to me, a leader in the locker room, a guy that can take some of these guys under the wing, add some more depth to it. Um, Baron Browning to me, though, is, is that dude. I, I think that he can turn into something special. And I think Jonas Griffiths may not be a special player, but he's going to be a very serviceable, high-level player for you. He's not going to be a guy that's going to dominate games, but he can be a very good player for this team. Uh, Moving on here, we got the edge defenders that the Broncos have already brought in. My guy, D'Angelo Malone, we already talked about him. Uh, Drake Jackson out of USC, uh, really long, 254 pounds. Um, he probably needs more work in the weight room, according to Mike Kliss. Uh, And you can see it on tape. His play strength is not the greatest, especially in the running game. Um, not super bendy as well. Um, it's just, it's, it's hard. You've got a multiple ball of clay here that has a lot of tools, a lot of traits but there's a lot that is lacking in his game tape, at least in my opinion. And then <clears throat> while well, I'll let Eric break that down here in a second, we got to get to this kid, Nick Benito, who I am not a fan. So all three edges, Malone, Benito, and Jackson, they all have one for me glaring weakness, and that's their play against the run. Yes. Um, Drake Jackson, I think he, he needs to play about 260, 265. I think that'll help him against the run. There'll still be some concerns, but it's more so – it's more of a got to teach him how to defend the run kind of thing with him. He's got the traits to be effective. He's got the length. He's so young. That's a risk I'm willing to take there. D'Angelo Malone, he tries hard. He just, yeah, he doesn't have the strength or power to hold up. Right. He could use a little bit, um, some work to bulk up on his legs a little bit. That could help some. Um, but it's not like he's sitting idly by. Nick Benito. When I watch him, I get so frustrated because his effort against the run is so questionable to me. Um, it's like he doesn't – I don't want to say he doesn't care to defend the run, but 
well, when it's not when it's going away from him, he doesn't care to defend the run. He doesn't care, care to do much. He right. doesn't um, stay disciplined on the back end. And Oklahoma bit it for, for a few times for that. At the point of attack, I mean, he tries to hold it a little bit. Like I just, I, I don't know. I I question his effort. Fine as a pass rusher, I mean, like, but his play as a run defend as a run defender is so bad, and it was frustrating because I think it was Daniel Jeremiah um, threw out a Von Miller, like a poor man Von Miller comparison to him. Uh, yeah. And what was so frustrating about that is that Von Miller's play as a run defender has been so underrated for years mm-hmm. that even calling him a poor man Von Miller is disrespectful to Von Miller as a run defender. Yes. Uh, he's a better version of Malik Reed, more athletic than Malik Reed, yeah. and I think can win more frequently as a pass rusher than Malik Reed without reliance on you know coverage sacks. So if you're looking at upgrading that, that's fine. He's a pass-down specialist because he's got potential to drop into coverage as well. Um, I think ideally his role would be this hybrid role as an off-ball that drops into coverage, um, plays between the tackles, and rushes the edge as a pass rusher would be ideal for him, which is kind of what they're getting out of doing with Baron Browning. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I- I'd consider him at 96, maybe one, and definitely 115 or 116, but all the talk is 64, and I'm just so not for that. I don't want to pass down specialists at 64. I think the right. NFL is going away from it with the way NFL team offenses are evolving. NFL defenses, you got to be more jack-of-all-trades type, and that's really not yeah. any of those three guys at the moment. But as I said, Drake Jackson's the one I'm willing to bet on the most. The, the one that is actually a guy, and I, I think that there is some jack-of-all-trades to him. Um, I, I'm not sold on him as a run defender either. And in fact, the, this middle this middle part of the draft, as far as the edge is concerned, there's a lot of great pass rushers. There's a lot of guys that have high motors. Nick Bedino is another one of those guys. Um, but at least there's some more effort in the running game, at least from what I saw. Uh, my Jay Sanders out of Cincinnati, I would probably rather go in that direction than Nick Benito, even though you've got the high-end motor of Nick Benito and probably the more refined pass rusher but i think my jay sanders at least has a little bit more willing to and more drive to to play as a as a run defender than nick video is even though my jay sanders gets blown off of the football um let's see here I'm gonna just run through these next couple of names really fast um We've got Jaquan McMillan, cornerback from East Carolina, Deron Bland, cornerback Fresno State, Cordell Flott, cornerback LSU, Martin Emerson, cornerback from uh, Mississippi State, <clears throat> Roger McCreary, cornerback from Auburn. Uh, what about this cornerback room stands out to you? I know Roger McCreary is one of the best interior slot defenders as far as the cornerback position is concerned. Super short on his length, but he puts himself in great position. I like this kid a lot. 64 would be a very good spot for him, um, especially to fill out this cornerback room. You can let him grow just a little bit, um, see see if he can't take over for a spot after K1 Williams leaves after his one-year deal is up. And he's going to be an, an upgrade over Asang Bassi as well. Uh, Martin Emerson, probably outside guy first, but he can play on the inside as well. Um, six picks combined the past three years, according to Mike Kliss. Uh, 5'11", 189, quick, extinctive, willing to tackle. What do you think of this cornerback room and what stands out, buddy? Well, real quick, grabbing Rodney Garcia's question here. Okay. Is any word on Kenny Young and Bryce Callahan? Um Bryce Callahan will probably have something happen. I'm not long after the draft. I think at this point, teams are just waiting to see what happens yep. there. Um, Denver may still be on it. I doubt it. Kenny Young, I mean, Denver made it clear they prefer Josie Jewell, and they were right to do so, even over Alexander Johnson, too. Yep. Um, Josie Jewell was the best of the three, and they brought the right one back. Yeah. Uh, Kenny uh, Young will get a shot somewhere else. Um, I, so we'll I see think, on that. I think Kenny Young was more interested in going back to Los Angeles. He wanted to go back to the Rams um, than, than come back to Denver. Um, his comments at first when he first made uh, made his way to Denver after the trade really soured me on him. He played at least relatively well, but I, I wouldn't I, – I'd just look in a different direction. Go to the draft there uh, over Kenny Young. Uh, Bryce Callahan, I would not be surprised to see sign a $5.5, 6000000 dollar deal somewhere on a one-year deal to play uh, in, in a different defense. I don't know if Denver's still interested in that, Eric. Did you say that? I, I – didn't hear that part for what now for Bryce Callahan to come back. I, I doubt it. <clears throat> okay. Sorry about that guys. Last couple things here. We got to wrap up quickly because we got uh, content going up on Facebook here in about 10 minutes. Um, we're going to run to the running back position here. Uh, Shamari Jones, the guy I really like out of coastal Carolina after watching Grayson McCall, um, big back, 
bowl, uh, bowling ball running back, um, not the most explosive athlete, but he does have the ability to take it to the house. Um, 1,040 yards on six and a half yards per carry with 13 touchdowns at Coastal last year as a senior. Um, the Coastal Carolina went 22 and three in Jones's two seasons there. I really liked him a lot. I, I thought that he was a fun player to watch. Um, James Cook, the running back out of Georgia, one of the guys that I really like as a third round pick for the Broncos, elite speed. This guy is a home run threat every time he touches the football. And then they also have his teammate, Zamir White uh, from Georgia as well. He ran a 4440, six, uh, six foot, 214 pound frame, uh, rushed for 856 yards and 11 touchdowns on five point yards per carry for the national champions last year. And that pretty much rounds out the list here. Eric, we know that the Broncos are potentially going to need another running back. As, as of right now, they have Demaria Crockett and Mike Boone on the roster behind uh, Javante Williams, who is a going to be a superstar in this league. Uh, of the guys that have been brought in by the Broncos so far on pre-draft visits, which one do you like the most? Which running back do I like the most? Yep. Um, James Cook. I mean, I'm Shamari Jones as an undrafted free agent. That's fine. Zamar, um, Zamir White a little bit later in the draft. James Cook, 96, 115, 116. I'd be looking at him there. Um, has a few connections to Denver for in different ways. George Payton was part of the Minnesota Vikings front office that drafted his older brother. Um, so that's part of it there. So it can make sense for that. Um, Shamari Jones, again, undrafted free agent. He's big. He's powerful. I like somebody who actually who brings a little bit more speed to him. And Zamir White, I mean, he's fine as a prospect. Um, works would work as part of it. But going back to cornerbacks real quick, running through them, Roger McCurry, he'd be an option at 64. I think that Denver could look his way to trade mm -hmm. up if they value if they're not scared away by his arm length. Martin Emerson, um, he's an outside only corner that doesn't play well against the run, like doesn't play the run as at all. Cordell Flock could be a inside outside guy. Nothing. I mean, he's fine. He's one of those fine prospects. Could probably be had somewhere with the you know one of the two fourth round picks or the fifth round pick. There um, has decent speed. Um, a little bit light, and I wish he would play. I, I, he probably needs to bulk up a little bit. Has the frame to do so. Deron Bland is such a fun defensive back to watch. I think he'll be more of a safety in the NFL. And then John Jaquan McKillen is a developmental guy at out of East Carolina that's probably undrafted. That you're looking at to develop who, but he can contribute on special teams. He plays with good size. He does well with his positioning, the challenge camp, the catch point, um, and plays physical. Awesome. Appreciate that. Sorry, I'm dying right now. <laughs> uh, Rodney Garcia jumped in here just a second ago. Says, thanks, guys. Love tonight's show. I appreciate it. And Rodney, we appreciate you. Uh, Peter. Let's wrap this up really quickly here, Eric. Uh, Peter Middleton jumping in from Cambodia saying, so name your guys' top three players from the ones mentioned tonight and which round they will go in. Um, I'll start it off. Um, Tyler Smith is probably my top player um, that the Broncos have brought in, um, even though I don't think that he starts right away, but uh, he's going to go in the early second round. Um, Abraham Lucas is another guy I really like. Um, D'Angelo Malone is a guy that I really like for the Broncos. I think that he can come in and fill in right away, um, even though you've got some size concerns and stuff like that. And then uh, uh, Cole Strange is a, is a guy that I, after watching him at the Senior Bowl and the way that he dominated the Senior Bowl practices coming out of that small school at Tennessee Chattanooga, you can play him at guard, you can play him at center. Um, the Broncos have a need there with Lloyd Cushenberry not playing very well and then also Graham Glasgow. Not, uh, on a one-year deal. They're probably going to move him to center potentially this year. Um, you just need to bolster the depth there. So Cole Strange is the guy that I really like. Eric, what do you think? Um, my top three graded players that Denver brought in for a visit are Chad Muma, Cam Jurgens, oh, and yeah. Roger McCreary. And I have, them. I think all of them, I think two of them will go in the second round before 64. And I think Cam Jurgens will probably go between 64 and probably 75. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Uh, Tom jumping in here last last minute right at the buzzer here with another uh, $2 super chat. Great show. Thanks, guys. Great, Tom. Thank you, sir. We appreciate you, man, for everything. We appreciate all of you guys for joining us on the Dub Valley Deep Divers, but that's going to have to do it for us here, guys, as I run through our quick matters of business. Thank you all again for joining us on a wonderful Friday evening. Uh, you guys can find us on Twitter by following me at SandersonMHH and for Eric at Eric Trickle. Also for Scott at Scout uh, at Scout Kennedy, um, folks, while you're at it, at Mile High Huddle, that's the mother account where you guys are going to find breaking news and analysis regarding your Denver Broncos, including all of our scouting reports. You're going to find um, film breakdowns, opinion articles, anything regarding the Broncos. That's where you guys are going to find it. Um, also, guys, at DVDD underscore pod, that's a podcast account where you find out what our topic is every single Friday. Um, typically, they, those go out uh, earlier in the afternoon than they did today. We got a little bit late to chat getting that out there, but that's a great way to follow along with what's going on with the show. Uh, Facebook supporters, go to facebook.com slash mile high huddle pod. That's the podcast account over on Facebook where all of our videos do go live every time. At, it's 6 p.m. Mountain Time, 8 p.m. Eastern. You're going to find everything there on facebook.com and also on YouTube uh, at mile high huddle. Guys, if you're financially able to do so, please go to huddleuppod.com. That's the merch tent, guys, where you can get one of these hats. You can get a uh, there's a T-shirt, uh, something for every show. There's a hoodie, a face mask, a coffee cup, anything to suit your guys' fancy. And uh, it's a great way to support the show. If you're not financially able to do so, subscribe wherever you guys are watching this, specifically on YouTube, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, no matter what, subscribe to Mile High Huddle. Like every video you guys see, and if you love it, share it please click the share button because it helps us get out in front of as many Broncos fans as possible to do what we do best, which is cover your Denver Broncos. Now, Eric, quickly, we got about three minutes here before we got to get out of here. Any last words heading into this wonderful weekend, one week away from day two of the NFL draft? Yeah. Um, I see a couple people in the chat that uh, appreciating my work, but I mean, everybody who at MHH, we all put in the work. We all work hard at what we do. And we appreciate your guys' support always. Um, you guys will see me on Sunday. Um, I don't know if Lance mentioned that because I was actually sidetracked. Round, the Mile High Huddle Roundtable Mock Draft is Sunday night. So yep. make sure you guys tune in for that. Yep. I will also be sitting here in front of my computer for every round of the draft. Um, Thursday nights, Friday night, and Saturday. So mm-hmm. guys, make sure you guys tune in for that. And we'll break down the players as they go and consistently talk about the Broncos and what they're doing. Yep. Uh, late plug into this, like Eric said, the Mile High Huddle Roundtable Mock Draft featuring all of your guys' favorite uh, podcast co-hosts and, and, and hosts and personalities uh, <coughs> will be Sunday at 6 o'clock. Everyone's going to be there, except for Luke. He has some uh, stuff that he's got going on, but uh, we'll, we'll miss him on that, but everyone's going to be there. Uh, starting on Thursday, we will have full coverage front to back of the NFL Draft, as we have done here at Mile High Huddle for the last three years in a row. We do not stop. Two years. This will be year number three. Excuse me. Uh, anyways, we do not stop from the very first pick 15 minutes before the, the draft gets started all the way until about an hour after the draft is over. Make sure you guys are following along, riding along with us as we cover every second of the 2022 NFL draft. And with that, guys, I have to say good night and thank you all again for joining the Dub Valley Deep Divers podcast. You all stay safe and take care. Have a great rest of your weekend. And as always, before we get out of here, Go Broncos. We'll see you guys same time, same place next week. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.